Good morning. You guys hear me okay in the back? No? A little bit? A little bit higher? Brett's going to get that handled for you guys. We have a new sound and audio technician in the back. Everybody give Brett a hand. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. Brett Call. Is that, little, is that okay? Heather's looking at me and she's saying a little bit more. So just crank the volume up. Get a little closer to my mouth is what she's saying. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'll talk louder. Is that better? So glad to be here. Good to see you guys. We got thumbs up in the back. Um, we've got some new um, things in your bulletin. Everybody grab one of these if you, don't, if you had one. Um, Emil, I've got uh, maybe Gareth and Emil can help me out a little bit. If you guys could, we've got, if you guys could pass out pens to both sides of the rows. We've got something brand new. So inside your bulletin, there's something brand new today. They're sermon notes. <laughs> had a good friend of mine, Pastor Allen. Gave me a good tip last week. He said, he said, hey, if we did some sermon notes, it actually we can have the scripture on a piece of paper for everyone. And there's a couple of areas, especially today, that you guys can fill in and follow along. The other thing is um, we have a connect card. And sometime during the service or, or maybe at home, I'd love for you to fill this out. Um, we're trying to update our email addresses and our phone numbers. We promise not to call you um, or bug you or come to your house uninvited, uh, but this is a way for us to get to know you and pray for you if you have prayer requests on the back. Um, so these guys, thank you, Gareth. Thank you, Emo. are passing out pens right now. Today's message, we're continuing um, the series called Made for This. Made for This. I believe we were all made on purpose, for a purpose. Like, I believe every single one of us has something inside of us that, that, is just, that is just calling us to be, to live life to the full, to be something. Um, and many of us are well on our way to know what that something is, right? I believe it's no accident that each of us has this thing in our, in our soul, in our mind, in our hearts that says, I I want to be doing something that makes a difference. Like, I want to be doing something that makes an impact. And so that's what this series is called, Made for This. Um, it's actually one of my favorite topics. The first week, if you didn't catch it, uh, we talked about made by a creator. Like every single one of us, the same creator that designed the universe, that designed everything that we see, that the design that created this planet, created you and me. And I believe in, in each of us, within our DNA, within our soul, he created us for something. And I, I, don't, believe, I don't believe that that creation goes away. I think that it gets louder and louder as we, as we take every step and every day in this life. Uh, we talked about we were made for a path. That's specifically a path and a purpose. Each of us were, was designed, and there was a path put in front of us. We are on this trajectory. In this life, we have point A and point B, and we're all heading towards something that he made us for a path. Um, I'm kind of summarizing. Last week, I'm so thankful for Josh, him sharing his testimony. Josh, we really appreciate you, man. We're made for each of us, I believe, for God to share our story. It's, it's about who he created us to be. And when we find that thing that makes us come alive, I mean, I believe he asks us, hey, just I want you to share that. And maybe your story isn't Josh's story. Maybe, maybe and, I, and probably, hopefully, many of you aren't called to be worship leaders, <laughs> right? Like, how pretty would it, would it sound if I got up here and tried to sing for you? Like, not great. I think Myra would say I, I almost can get like a hootie and the blowfish down, but that's, that's about as far as I go, right? And, and the, the family won't even let me do that at the house. They're like, no, Dad, stop. 
Just, just turn, on, turn on the actual music. Um, thank you, Josh, for sharing your story. And um, that, was, that was one of those things. We're in the middle of this series called Made for This, and um, I was told that, that our planes probably wouldn't make it to Kodiak because of the fog last weekend. And so I sent the message out to a few of the guys and ladies, and I said, Does anybody, is anybody prepared to share a word? And Josh said, I'll take it. Thank you. Today, we're talking about made for spiritual gifts, made with spiritual gifts. And um, it's, it's somebody joked, you don't often come to a Baptist church and hear, and hear anybody teach about spiritual giftings. And I, I thought that was funny. I was like, I don't know. I was raised up with that. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, and Romans 12, 6 through 8 are going to be our key scriptures today. But before we jump into that, I have a question. And hopefully this morning you'll consider this. It's a question that I've actually been discussing with a few of our um, friends here in the community over the last few days through breakfasts and lunch and coffee meetups. Um, it's one thing that I love to discuss, and maybe, maybe you have the same, the same thing within you. I love to know, and here's the question, what are the greatest needs of our community? Like, how many of you actually wrestle with this and find joy and come alive when you start talking about what does our community, what does the community of Kodiak need the most right now? It's a fun question to wrestle with. You know, you might talk about economic development, which is another thing that I, I love to talk about. You know, talk about um, small business growth. Um, you want to talk about maybe our greatest need is, is um, for our homes to be more of a refuge and a safe, uh, safe place for our families to go to. Um, I sat through some training at the women's shelter this last week um, uh, talking about domestic violence and abuse in the home. And I learned a ton. Unfortunately, I also had to grow up in that. And so I got to experience that firsthand and see what that looked like. Um, I, had to, I actually had to unlearn a lot of unhealthy stuff from my childhood that, it, that you know, I swore I'd never be like that. Um, so I got to, to sit and learn about maybe, maybe this is one of our needs in our community. Um, I just saw a post this morning, or maybe it was yesterday, I shared it. Uh, the 4-H club is planting tr some trees at the, uh, is it, is it uh, Brother St. Francis shelter, uh, the homeless shelter. They're planting trees this Tuesday night, I think at 6 o'clock. So I'm, I'm going to show up with my gloves and my shovel. I'm not sure that they need all that, but I'm going to show up. Number one, I love, the, I love the idea that we're planting trees in the community, especially around our commercial um, commercial and retail businesses. So is the, need, is the need just simply like beautification? So today's message, I want, I want you to be thinking about that question. What are the greatest needs in our community? What are the greatest needs in our homes, in our schools, um, in our church? Like what, just start thinking about what's the greatest need in my house right now, you know? We're, we're navigating high school with a, junior, with a junior in high school, a girl. Her wisdom teeth are coming in, so we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, we've, we've got specific needs. She's walking around with massive headaches right now, migraines, and I don't, I don't mean, mean to bring that up. I'm just analyzing my home, own home in front of you. <laughs> Be praying for Chloe. But what are the greatest needs in our schools? I think just recently I heard about tearful um, teachers and tearful administrative leaders right here in our own community. And they're crying because 
they're trying to teach our kids but, but they're not sure how to get through because the kids are more and more, and they'll say, and maybe some of you are in education, will say our kids are more distracted than ever. Like, like it's at an all-time high. You, and you can see our own teenagers all the way down to, to uh, preschoolers. They're more distracted and busier than ever. Why is that? I ran across an article a friend shared with me. The article was um, produced in 1968, uh, there was a professor from Yale, uh, I believe his name was Comer, Dr. Comer. And in 1968, he produced this, this uh, it was really a theory that he was starting to see come true, and he wanted to prove it. And the theory said there's really three legs to a stool in a community. So we're talking about the greatest needs in the community, right? And in those three stools, one of the legs is the family. The other leg of the stool is the school. And the other leg of the stool is the church. This comes from Yale. Mind-blowing, right? The family, the school, and the church. And his theory was to have healthy communities, you needed each of these three legs. And with, without one of these legs, the stool would fall over. And I can't help but wonder, I'm going to get into Scripture here in a minute, but I want you guys to really process and pray about this. What are the greatest needs in our community? I believe that maybe our families need help. You know, maybe our schools need our help. You know, how, how long has it been have we seen the church discounted, right? How long has it been since we've seen the home, the family to be discounted and said, yeah, that's something we do. That's important. But we don't see it as, the greatest, as the, one of the greatest values as we did back in the 50s, back in the 60s. And I think today we're seeing the repercussions of it because what leg is left on that stool? Our schools. Our schools are mandated by the government. They have to teach. But guess where, guess where all of those other legs, where does that weight fall on our schools? I don't think that's, I don't think that's an accident. I think this Dr. Comer in 1968 was on to something. And I think almost, we're going to talk about today, I think it was a little bit prophetic of maybe what was in our future. Once the family breaks down, once, once the husbands and wives decide, I'm going to go my own direction, that leaves it to the church. Once the church breaks down and we decide, you know, maybe I'm just going to focus on myself, I'm going to turn inward, because that's, that's what's easy, that's what's comfortable. Guess what happens? All the weight shifts over to the school. And so I don't mean to be giving a political lecture this morning, uh, but I am, tr I am trying to get this question embedded in your mind and your heart. And then we're going to walk through Scripture, I think, that will help us answer, help us begin to answer these questions. What is the greatest need in our community, in our homes, our schools, our neighborhoods? I believe the answer is right here. John 14, 12 through 14. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And whatever I will do, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do greater things. 
Like, I don't, when the God of the universe, whether you believe in him or not, when, when, the, when this man that everyone respects so much, and they called him a prophet, I believe he's the son of God. I believe he's, he's a part of the creator of our universe. When he says, you will do even greater things than me, like, that's, that's actually shocking. And we talked about this a few weeks back when we, when we started this series. So how is that possible? Like, how is it possible that you and I will do greater things than Christ? The scripture points us to the answer of what our homes, our schools, our neighborhoods, and our communities need most. Here it is. Y'all ready? They need you and me. Our homes need us. There's no one else designed to care for our families and our spouses like us. Right? There's, there's, our, our community needs us. Our schools need us. So how is it possible that we would do even greater things? How, how is it that you and I, these imperfect people, right? <laughs> we're like, like, my kids will tell you, I am the most flawed person they've ever met, right? How is the most flawed person who's impatient, who grew up in this crazy, like, not healthy home, like, how is it that, that I'm supposed to affect change in my house? How, how is it that I'm supposed to do greater things? And for those of us that are believers, here's, here's, here's that answer. For those of us who said, Christ, I want you to be Lord of my life. Like, God, I want you to have control. Like, I'm, I'm giving it up to you. I'm giving my family to you. I'm giving my life to you. I, I, I trust you with all of it. I am too messed up to do it on my own. When we give our life to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. That's once we accept Christ. And I know that sounds supernatural. I know that sounds like mysterious, um, but it's, it's in his word and it's very clear. The moment we accept Christ, he sends us his spirit to be our helper. And here's the second part. Here's the fun part. So we're going to get more to the fun part. I pitched the problem. Sorry, sorry to lay that on you. We're going to start talking about the fun part, how we were made. We receive spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 6 says, Brothers and sisters, listen to this and, and think again. Start thinking about your own heart. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know that at one time you were unbelievers, like I was. We all were. You were somehow drawn away to worship statues of gods that couldn't even speak. Um, I like to say false idols. It's so easy for us to chase things that aren't real because we think that's going to be the thing that makes me full and whole. These guys were worshiping um, statues of gods that couldn't even speak. So I want you to know that no one who is speaking with the help of God's Spirit says, no one says this, may Jesus be cursed. And without the help of the Holy Spirit, no one can say Jesus is Lord. There are different kinds of gifts, but they were all given to believers by the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways to the Spirit works, but the same God is working in all of these ways and in all people. So this first, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, we're going to talk about gifts. And many churches actually shy away from talking about these gifts. The reason why they shy away from talking about these gifts is because they're called um, supernatural gifts 
or charismatic gifts. How many people have ever stepped into a charismatic church, right? And so it's awesome. I mean, talk about worship. Charismatic churches worship. I mean, I just, I, I visited some charismatic churches in uh, Fairbanks last week. That was amazing. It come alive. Um, I was actually raised Catholic and Baptist, if that's even possible. I'm a result of that. <laughs> so Catholic on the weekends with my dad, uh, Baptist on the weekends with my mom. And then later on, mom married my stepdad, who was, who was um, charismatic, who was Assembly of God. So I actually have all three. And um, I actually found Jesus and God's word through all of that, right? So the two big things. Emil says I'm stirring it up, stirring the pot. <laughs> or a good mixture, one or the other. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. So these are the miraculous gifts. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. But to one is given the word of wisdom. This is one of the gifts, wisdom, through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another discerning of the spirits and different kinds of tongues. This is speaking in a language that, um, in another language that people can actually understand. Uh, To another interpretation of those tongues, but one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The reason why we don't talk much about miraculous gifts anymore, um, because it's very difficult to prove, is that from God, right? When someone says, I I went to the doctor, I went to the hospital, and, and, and this person went from very sick to healed overnight, was that the doctor, was that the medicine, was that the wisdom, or was that God? Yes, right? I'll say yes. Like we, and it's very difficult to say, oh, that was the work of God, even though we, we, those of us with faith will say that, and I agree with that. Or if, each, if any one of us has witnessed something miraculous right in front of us or seen something, it's very difficult to prove that that's true, right, to others. And so our problem is where we stand, and this came out of seminary for me, is we can't disprove that with one another. The thing we look for is, does it contradict God's word? And that's a whole sermon for later. There's, there's a whole sermon for later, but what I'm trying to say is these are miraculous gifts. So today we're going to focus on the more practical gifts. And I want to say, because they're a little bit easier, so I'm allowing myself a softball to, to hit it out to you guys, and not the hardball. We'll do the hardball later, all right? So forgive me for going right for the softball. So today we're going to focus on Romans 12, 6 through 8, the practical gifts. This is the part where I want you to start saying, I wonder if that's me. Like, I wonder if, if, if this scripture, this verse is talking about what's inside, what's in me, what the Holy Spirit's doing in me. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Since we have gifts that differ accordingly, according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of faith, if service in his serving, or who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortations, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. We're actually going to go through some of those gifts, and I want to read some descriptions. Um, But before we do that, I want to share one story. This was probably eight years ago. Um, I had a buddy of mine, good friend from high school, 
Uh, he played saxophone in the band. I played trumpet. He was also the goalie for the soccer team, and I was halfback. And so we just, we did life together. And so he calls me, and he says, hey, man, my brother's in the hospital. And um, his brother had been bedridden and living on life support, I think it was for 30 days. And I'd known about it. We were praying for him, but he called me, and he said, I, I wonder if you can come down and visit Thursday. Um, our family's having to make a tough decision where the doctors have recommended we, that we pull them off life support. And so I said, absolutely, I'll be right there. And so I show up Thursday, 4 o'clock. He was scheduled to be pulled off of life support at 4.30. And we, we gather in the hospital room around, his name was Eddie, around Eddie's bed. And he was, he was, he was completely not, not there. He had... Um, a little bit of brain activity, or maybe there, I can't, I can't remember the details at the time, but he just wasn't responsive. So we gathered around his bed, we grabbed hands, and Scotty said, I, I just wanted you to pray. Of all the people that, that I know, you're, you're the one that's closest to God, in my opinion. You're the one that prays all the time. If anybody's prayer is going to be answered, it's going to be yours, you know, which is very humbling if, you, if you've been asked of that before. And so we gathered around, we grabbed hands, and we prayed. We prayed for God's will. I mean, that's the one thing I always want to pray for, right? Like, God, just do your will. And we prayed, God, if it's Eddie's time, please, please take him today. You know, give the family peace. Um, just let your presence be known to the family. But God, if you have something left for him, for Eddie to do on this earth, much like Kim had mentioned this morning, if there's something left for you to do on this earth, please let him wake up. And so we prayed that prayer and um, said goodbye to the family. It's good to see everybody. Jumped in the elevator, was heading back to work, right? And in the elevator, it was me and Scotty, and, and I, there was something just overwhelming that came into my heart to, to share with Scotty for that moment. And I said, um, I said, man, I said, thank you for letting me come pray. It's an honor to do that for your family, and I love it. And I, I said, but here's one thing that I think I'm supposed to say to you. I said, I said um, Scotty, you're the spiritual leader of your family. Like, God answers and hears your prayers just as he answers and hears mine. And, uh, I, and he is kind of shocked him, right? Because he thought, well, you're the dude that, that's in the church. Like, you're the one serving. Like, you're the one doing all the spiritual stuff. And, and I wanted to say, no, man, like he's, I said, there's a reason why you called me. There's a reason why you thought to reach out. And I, I believe that's because the Spirit is prompting you to step into that role. Later that night, I was, we got together with the family to pray uh, before we went to sleep. And I got a text from Scotty. And he said, dude, we pulled him off of life support. And he woke up completely at 5 o'clock. And uh, just tears started running down my eyes, you know. Um, and I thought about this scripture, the scriptures that we're reading today. And he said, dude, your prayers like work. And I said, man, I, I don't know. I said, thank you. I said, but you're the doctor. Scotty was a doctor. I said, I said, dude, maybe you have the gift of healing. You've been called the medicine, you know, and, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be awesome to know that? And so I think on this earth we get glimpses. And it gets louder the more we develop it, just like anything else. I think when we get to the other side and we get to heaven, 
I think we'll get to see the full DNA blueprint of what God made us for, right? Because this is just, we're here for a tiny moment compared to eternity. So this is, we're talking about gifts. The greatest need in our community is this again, is Christ working through you, through each of you. That's what our community needs. It's you, and it's Christ working in you. Your passion, your gifts, like you all in. Like, and I'm not, this isn't a sermon about serving more. This isn't, like, this isn't a message about working more. I promise that's not it. Like this, because I know half of you are like, I am exhausted. And like, I'm on the bottom rung of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like, I'm in survival mode. <laughs> and that's, that's fine. I, I think there's seasons where we all, we all are in survival mode. Like, I just need my physical needs met. You know, we're taking the special offering today for our community just to help people's spiritual needs, you know. But at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, it's self-actualization. I don't, I don't think it's an accident that we get to hold in our hands like this book that tells us the blueprint that says, you know what, I've given you everything you need and then you will do greater things. I believe we were made to let Christ love and lead in us and through us. And I'll say it again, if, if this Christian life or this, this life has been boring at all and you feel like I, it's time to check out, I, I promise you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, I promise you're doing it wrong. And I'm not trying to beat up on you, but like this, could, this is meant to be the most purposeful and fulfilled and exciting time in our lives. And I think sometimes it's not because we don't get to even see a percentage of what we were made for. So how do I know my gifts? So again, I'm, I'm referencing Romans 12, 6 through 8. Let me read this one more time, and then I actually want to read a couple of these gifts to you. You've got a list in your sermon notes. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them in accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts, and this is he and she, by the way, it's just referencing mankind, in his exhor- exhortation, he who gives with liberality, with liberally, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. How do I know my gifts? So on your sermon notes, you'll see a list of those practical gifts. These are just the pra- practical gifts. Again, we didn't do the hardball today, the miraculous gifts. There's also gifts of uh, spiritual leaders, and we'll talk about that I- at a different time. So on your sheet, as I read through these, this is the fun part, right? This isn't a test, it isn't a quiz, but I'm going to read through these different gifts, and it's, if you feel or you sense, like this, this one I get excited about, just put a check mark next to that, and usually you'll have a little bit in each of these areas, but typically there's three. There's three main gifts that stand out. So the first one is evangelism. The Greek word of evangelism is eugenlistes. It means to proclaim glad tidings, a messenger of good. It denotes the proclaimer of the gospel. As an, it, it doesn't mean you're going to go knock on every door or be a preacher. That's not what evangelism means. It just means evangelists, you are likely a very outgoing and personable personality. So how many people here would say, I'm outgoing and, and I love to talk to people? 
right? That's, that's evangelist. You compliment even strangers and are not afraid to ask them questions about their lifestyle. So if you're in the room and you're saying, I would never do that in a million years, it's probably evangelism probably not your gift. <laughs> it's those of you who are like, yeah, you're talking about me. That's me. You might be an evangelist. Prophecy. Um, this does not mean you're supposed to have visions of the future and stand on the street corner and yell at people, by the way. <laughs> like, when we all think of prophets, that's what we think of. It means you are a foreteller, meaning you're speaking forth, you're boldly preaching, speaking and teaching God's word. You're very discerning. Um, prophets are one who point out sin, point out what's wrong, um, and, but the goal is to help people to be aware of their sin so that they will repent. <laughs> As prophets, you have the ability to see what, what's wrong. In fact, so listen up, prophets, if this is already sounding like you. In fact, you tend to easily spot what is wrong and have to actually work really hard to look for what's right. So how many prophets do we have in the room? I, I've actually met a few of you. you. You keep texting me about stuff that's wrong here at the church. <laughs> And that's cool. That's all right. That's your gift, okay? You have a great burden over the sinful condition of the world around you. We've all met a prophet. Because of this, you take every opportunity to proclaim that everyone must repent or perish. So, so in the end times, when Jesus comes on the white horse in the sky and everybody sees him, the prophets are going to be like standing on their soapboxes. Yeah, I told you. I told you. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Sorry. Sorry, that's bad. <laughs> My imagination gets the best of me sometimes. The, okay, teaching is the next one. We have a lot of teachers in the room. I know this for a fact. The Greek word for teacher is didaskalos. It means teacher or doctor. Uh, as a teacher, you are the one who communicates knowledge, guides, and makes known or relays facts. You are likely more in-depth than the average person. Many of you teachers are like, yeah, they're starting to get excited about this one. You have been given a great capacity and desire to serve God by making clear the truth of God's word with accuracy. As a teacher, you live to learn and teach, um, and it, it, it isn't always speaking. So it's, it's really cool that it kind of says this, or perhaps you write if you teach through the written medium. Um, Leslie's out at a, at a women's conference in, in Paris right now. Like, that's no accident. Like, Duncan, Duncan has probably seen when Leslie got found that gift and when she started fanning the flame to where it is today, and God's blessing that gift. You love the word, enjoy reading, maybe a little shy of strangers. You'd actually prefer to speak to a group than individuals, which I thought that was interesting. So the next spiritual gift is exhortation. I'm going to put all of these um, online and on social media, by the way. But this is just for you. Hopefully by now you're saying, yeah, that's, that's me. Exhortation, the Greek word parakleo. It means to admonish, to encourage. You're a how-to person. You have been given spirit-given capacity and de desire to serve God by motivating others to action, uh, by urging them to pursue a course of conduct. This is, I think this is, like I'll just say, I think this is part of mine. Um, I love to see action. Like, I love, part of the reason why I'm loving talking about these spiritual gifts is not so that we can just go home and go, hey, I'm a prophet. Like, I'm going to go tell everybody what's wrong about their lives. You know, I'm hoping 
again, that we'll start align. The whole point of us talking about this Romans 12 scripture today is that we'll say, this is how God made me. And this is how he's trying to connect how he made me to our community, to the greatest needs in our community. As an exhorter, you're a very practical person, a good counselor, tolerant of others, serious-minded, orderly, and usually impulsive, which I didn't know those could go together, right? Serious-minded and impulsive. You're expressive in a group setting. The group listens when you speak. You're comfortable working in one-on-one or groups. You're enthusiastic or talkative about encouraging others. Um, Mercy. So this one's either going to drive you crazy or you're going to go, yes, that's me. Mercy's a fun one. The Greek word, elko, means to feel sympathy for others. As a mercy shower, you've been given the spirit, um, the capacity and desire to serve God by identifying with and comforting those who are in distress. People love you because of all the love you give them. You find it easy to express yourself. Um, You're easy to talk to. You're responsive to people. You're a good listener. Um, As a mercy shower, you are willing to deal with and minister to people who have needs that most people feel uncomfortable working with. Emo, I'm talking about you right now, right? Emo has the gift of mercy. Or maybe not. (laughs) Emo's a prophet. Already, already, already like tagged Emo. He's a prophet. (laughs) He's a loving prophet with a big heart, actually. So serving. We're almost done. We've got three, we've got uh, four more. The Greek word diakonia is to do service. As a server, you have the spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God, rendering practical help in both physical and spiritual matters. You enjoy meeting the practical needs of your fellow Christians in the church. The gift, um, yeah, it says the gift of serving is not the gift God gives you when you can't do anything else. <laughs> That's not what this gift is. It is, a, it is spiritual, and never think any less. It only becomes less if you do not use it as God intended. So the last three are giving, administration, and shepherding, and then I'll, I'll get to the finish, the finish line of this. The Greek word metatidonami means to give over. This is giving, to share, to give to impart. As a giver, you have the spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God by giving of your material resources far beyond the tithe. So as a church, we give the tithe as a 10% just to give a little bit back of what God has given us. The giver actually wants to, because of generosity, impact the people around them and his church through giving. Your motive is to further the work of God and meet real needs, not to show off or to get anything in return, you are usually well-organized, keep to yourself, and have an accurate self-image, and are interested in helping people. You are conscientious and self-disciplined. Administration, so two left, administration and shepherding. Administration is the Greek word, is kubernesis, means the one who steers the ship. I think we have several ship captains in the room. I think one even official, like licensed ship captain, or Stephen's out working. Uh, We have a few other captains in the room. This expert has the responsibility to bring a ship into the harbor through the rocks and the shoals under all types of pressure. And as an administrator, you have the spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God by organizing, administering, promoting, and leading the various affairs of the church. 
as an administrator, you are a take-charge person who jumps in and starts giving orders. So some of us with other giftings are like, why does that person always jump in and start giving orders and taking charge, right? And it's really pretty wild when a prophet and administration gifts are both present. That's a very strong administrative leader. Shepherding. This is the last one. The Greek word poinmen means pastor. Um, and although it's not... It's not talking about pastor as in a role in the church. It's actually talking about shepherding, investing in in God's church and his people. As a gifted shepherd, you have the spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God by overseeing, training, and caring for the needs of of Christians. You're usually very patient, people-centered, and willing to spend time in prayer for others. So this... These descriptions, and sorry I just read them like that to you guys, but I feel like it's actually important because this gets overlooked in the church quite a few times. These descriptions I'll put on our website and put on our social media. There's also a spiritual gifts test that I want to encourage each of you guys to take. It literally would take eight or ten minutes. Um, what I've found is, so J- Josh actually discovered this this week. So those of you who have already taken it, um, I encourage you to go back and retake it with your spouse or someone that's close to you. Because what it does is it helps you from answering the, the well, this is what I want to be, and actually helps you answer with, no, no, this is who you actually are. <laughs> so um, if you took it by yourself, sh- you know, share the results with someone who knows you pretty well, and then s- see if they can help you take it. We'll put that link online. The reason why I read those gifts to you is, and Scripture actually gives a warning. Paul gives a warning. We, we're not to focus on each of those gifts individually. That's not the point of it. But to go back to the question, what's the greatest need in our community? What's the greatest need in our homes, in our schools, in our church? It's that all the gifts are present, right? As an administrator, you know, prophet, like my personality is super black and white, like exhorter. I want to get stuff done. I need, I need people of mercy to come around me. And say, hey, slow down, you know, let's just love one another. Let's encourage one another. Um, We need all the gifts in the church. And I believe now more than ever, I mean, just think about it this week, in our schools, in our homes, those of us that are in survival mode, I believe it's because we need to ask for help. And just say, hey, maybe, maybe I need someone to come around me. Chloe actually had the same, um, I believe it was the same group in her high school, junior in high school, come in and talk to the, the uh, high schoolers about what abuse and neglect and domestic violence is. And this teaching's happening in our schools. And what happens when someone is traumatized because of that abuse? And I, I've, I've lived this, I've seen it, but I also found this last part to be true. It says for, for every one person that's traumatized and is missing like a, a healthy father or mother, it takes nine role models, nine healthy people in their lives for them to find some sort of equilibrium or find their way out of that, that one unhealthy traumatic situation. Think about that for a minute. Nine people in, in, your, in someone's life to help them regain some sense of healthiness. Like, I, I'll, I'll stand up in front of you. I, I've got nine mentors in my life that I can remember and say by name because they took the time to invest in me. Some of them knew what was going on in our home, 
And some of them had no idea, and I thank God for them that they took time. Um, but I got to watch them and say, hey, that's what a healthy dad looks like. That's what a godly man looks like, or a godly woman. Like, that's what I want to be, you know, for those of us that come from, from tough homes. But think about, I see, I see many people in this room. I think the answer to this question, what does our community need? What do our schools need? What do, what do our church need? It needs us. Maybe, maybe some of us could be that nine for that one unhealthy person. Man, and it's messy. Like, believe me, it's not easy. Um, and I'll, I'll even point the finger at myself way back when. It's not easy trying to minister to, to one person who needs it. But whatever your gift, let's not focus on our own particular gift. Let's be careful to not... Um, use our gift to tear each other down because a prophet can tear, can tear people up pretty easily, right? <laughs> like I've experienced that in my own time. Let's work as a whole. We were made to build each other up. That's that last one. Like we were made to be unified. We were made to build each other up. Like we are one body. We are one church. This community, I've been meeting with the Berean Baptist Church. I've been meeting with people from the Bible Chapel. I've been meeting with um, um, Oceans United, uh, the Lutheran Church. Like I've, I've been slowly meeting with all of the members of the church. And I think it's something to be celebrated. Like I'm hoping next year we as the church, all the churches in Kodiak, can get around one thing we can do in our community. And just for the simple reason to say we love you. Like, it's not about trying to get people through our doors and, and get them to serve more here at our church, which is awesome. Like, I'm not saying don't do that, right? right? But I'm saying how cool would it be, like, if many of us showed up on Tuesday night to help plant a tree, you know, with the 4-H club, just, just to be loving. So let me wrap up. Um, I want to invite our, our uh, communion team up um, and then uh, the band in a moment. And we'll transition to a time of communion. We are one body. And as one body, uh, for those who are believers, uh, it's important for us every now and then to take a time and just remember Christ and what he did for us. Um, it's important for us to just take a time and, and take the elements together, um, the bread and the wine, or in our case, the grape juice. And um, just remember what Christ did for us. While we're getting ready, why don't you take a few moments and just um, reflect in your own life personally. Maybe, maybe ask God to just to speak to you specifically and just say, okay, God, you, you died for me. Like, I just want to thank you. Uh, but I also want, I want you to continue to guide me uh, before we take the elements. So let me pray, and then you guys just take a few moments and, and um, take some time. Father, we love you. God, I thank you that your presence is very real in this church. God, I thank you that your presence is very real in our lives. And um, I thank you for this opportunity for us just to um, look at our hearts and our mind and just um, confess anything to you that we want you to have completely. Um, 
God, allow you to have every part of our lives. But also, God, to, um, thank you for giving us a time this morning to just remember what your son did for us on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. So now as we enter time to give God thanks and to remember his son through the Lord's Supper, I want to read Luke 22, 14 through 20, 23. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, this is Jesus, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it among you in yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, for which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So today we remember Christ. Father, we thank you. Um, thank you for the, remember the symbol of your body broken for us. Thank you for sending your son. And as we take um, the bread together, let us remember you and what you did for us. In Jesus' name.